Let's turn to the book of Ruth. Shakarade suku predekaleba. From verse 2. I'm continuing where we've been, you know, from um, even from Wednesday. And we're talking about, you know, and what we've even been dealing with in, on the Q&A as well. This is all practical Christian living. Hallelujah. Yes. Practical Christian living. And that's what we've been dealing with in one way or another as we've been going along, you know. Those who were here on Wednesday, you, you know, we, we even talked about jobs, how you change jobs, you know. Interesting things like that. Things that we need to know. And how a spirit-led person moves about those kinds of things. And um, so I want to, let's start here. And it says, And Ruth the Moabites said unto Naomi, Let me go, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her harp was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Let's put that in the New Living Translation. Give me verse 2 again. The NLT. You don't have the NLT today. Hallelujah. Let me read from here. I believe I have it right here. I want us to read it in the New Living Translation because some people, this old English. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been at work ever since, ever except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Hallelujah. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your friend, gleaning. gleaning. Tell them again, gleaning. gleaning. Say it loudly, gleaning. gleaning. Hallelujah. Amen. You see... There is something that holds a lot of believers back. And I call it the paralysis of analysis. Paralysis of? You know what happens? You have an idea in your head. Hmm? You pray about it. You wait on God. Then you sit there and you start analyzing and analyzing but never moving. You wait, you wait for thunder from the mountain, you wait for a strong wind to blow through the valley, you, 
you you wait for everything to somehow align before you can move. But the Bible says, he who watches the clouds does not what? He who watches the clouds does not. So what does that mean? It means you should know the times and the seasons. You go and sow before you see the clouds because you already know the clouds are coming. You don't first wait for the clouds, then you start sowing. You see, Ruth comes. She's come from Moab with Naomi. Naomi went with her husband and lost everything. She lost her husband, she lost her sons, and basically she was coming back destitute. When she comes back destitute, the only thing she has with her is a daughter-in-law. There were two of them, one went back and one stayed. And that's all they are in their little home, wherever they were. But Ruth doesn't sit in the house praying every day and every night. Mukama to let you eat. Hallelujah. Amen. Because so many of us are paralyzed in analysis. You are in prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting, but you don't go out after the prayer meeting to do anything. There is no harvest that takes itself from the field and puts itself in the store. I don't know of any. Even if God gave you cows, eh? you still have got to milk them. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You see, we must understand how to divinely position ourselves. When you start moving, God begins to arrange things around you. But so many times we are paralyzed by analysis. Lord, I am just waiting. When I feel the wind blow, you will wait for that wind and it will not blow. The wind will only start blowing when you start moving. If you read the crossing of the Jordan, do you know the river kept flowing when the priests were stepping in? It kept flowing. Until it was almost about to overtake them, then suddenly it stopped. But if they hadn't stepped in and gotten to the shore, and then they stand at the shore and they wait for the river to stop, they would have been there forever. Naaman, in the Jordan, I can assure you the first six times there was no evidence that something was changing. It's not like he went in the first time and it's like, eh, some little spots have gone on the leg. Let me dip again. Oh, now it has extended here. No. Dipped the first time comes out. Second time, no evidence. Third time, until the seventh time, and then something happened. So many times we are waiting for God to move, and God is waiting for us to move. He is waiting for us to move. But we are busy saying, Mukama Ankulinze. When I hear people saying, Ninze Mukama, my friend, <laughs> you are going to wait for a very long time. I am waiting. I am waiting on the Lord. No. Get out there. Start doing. And you'll be amazed how God comes along and goes with you. So we see Ruth. Ruth tells her mother in law, 
Let me go into the field. And green ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Basically, let me go out there. Wherever I find favor. So she goes out and she doesn't know whether she will find favor or not. Favor will not find you in your house. Favor finds you in the field. Hallelujah. Favor finds you where? In the field. You've been there praying for a job. My friend, get out there and do something. Hallelujah. Now, you see, when you read verse 3 is when you realize something interesting. She didn't actually start at Boaz's field. Let's read it and you see. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her harp was to light. So, as she's gleaning, she ends up at a field. So she started somewhere. Along the way as she went, she ended up at Boaz's field. Hallelujah. As she gleaned, she came. Some of you, you don't understand. Do you know that it is easier to get a job when you have a job? Yeah? Jobs find you easier when you have a job. So before you despise this current one, understand that it is your doorway or your pathway to the one you are looking for. Get doing. While you are there. Because people are not going to come on your door and say, I dreamt about you. No. What's going to happen is, while you are somewhere else, you you get involved because you are in the marketplace, someone will come and have a conversation. In the midst of the conversation, they will mention an opportunity somewhere. Because when we come to church, we rarely talk about jobs. Yeah? It's at work where we talk about jobs. Hallelujah. It's so when you are in the workplace and someone mentions this, by the way, there is this opportunity over there. By the way, I, I had so and so. Or you meet someone and they are like, I am looking for someone. It's when you are there in the field. Gleaning. Get up. And you know what gleaning is? You know the Bible uses nice terms. Gleaning is Hallelujah. That's what she was doing. They are harvesting, they are taking their harvest. Gleaning is I am coming behind them and picking off somehow the things that the harvesters missed. Because God had established a statute in Israel in which he said they must, when you harvest your field, do not go back to pick the few things that are left. Leave those for the ones who don't have. It was a principle in the law. So those who did not have fields, those who were poor, could come into the field after the harvesters and pick up what is left. How many of you have ever harvested maize? There are very few of you. When you go harvest maize, you can be so many of you as involved in harvesting maize. It's hard work. And even as you go and you're busy, you know, there's always cobs that fall. No, no, No first time through gets all the maize. Never. There's always cobs of maize left in within there. And usually now, you get people who come through a second time looking for those, those ones that have, that somehow the harvest has moved when going through. That's what Ruth was doing. It was not glamorous. There was nothing exciting about it. In fact, you can tell that things were serious for this reason. It was in the sunshine, it was hot. 
How do we tell? What the people tell Boaz? Yeah? Here is what, what they say. Let me see. Uh-huh. So when Boaz asked about her, let, let's read it again in the NLT. Verse 6, verse 5. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. So it's in hot sunshine. We don't harvest maize in the, in, in the rainy season. Hallelujah. It's in the sunny season, season when it's burning hot. And here is a girl, and she must be beautiful. Beautiful girl, in the field, harvesting corn in the sunshine. You, you're busy telling us your complexion. Rasa kantale brosukaba. Kasana kajia kunjo chavasa javananda babatianga kanga skinny. Sharo kosopre de kaliba. She is in the field in the hot sunshine and she only takes a short break to get a drink and come back. And she says, they say, she has been hard at work ever since except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. She's not despising anything. Saying, I'm going to work and I'm going to work hard. Favor finds her there in the field. She didn't know Boaz would pass by. But Boaz, Boaz is not going to find you in Naomi's house. Hallelujah. Amen. Some people, I'm praying for a husband. My friend, I can assure you of one thing. He's not coming to your house to knock. Yeah, he finds you out there. As you're busy at work, as you're busy doing things, that's where he finds you. Besides, if he found you just sleeping in your mother's house, he probably would be like, how no? But he gets attracted by seeing someone who is productive, someone who is doing something with themselves. They're like, with this one we can make a great partnership. But we want to be in the house and think the harvest will find us there. It doesn't work like that. In fact, some of us have extreme spiritual laziness because we think all we need to do is wait for the moment when the pastor declares, eh? God is bringing a bountiful harvest. He's crowning the year with a bountiful harvest. Hmm? Then you make a loud amen. Hmm? Then you sow a seed. Then you relax. My friend, as if the harvest will bring itself from the field into your home. You must go there to the field and do something. What the seed will do is activate your favor. That what the seed will do is cause you to be recognized. Cause someone to notice you. Cause someone to say, by the way, I like how you do this. I have a position at my company. It is a fallacy for someone to say they have nothing to do. There's a lot to do. You've just despised most things. There is stuff to do. You just despise it. Or 
You've allowed mindsets to hold you back. You know, I speak, I'll speak to ladies. Let me tell you something. Uganda here, we have a problem. You know what the problem is? Mindsets that lock us into thinking there are things women can't do and things women can do. It's a very terrible bondage. The Bible says in Jesus Christ, there is what? Neither male nor female. Neither Greek nor Jew. In Jesus Christ. Which means in Jesus Christ you can do anything. Yes. Ah, yeah, I've come to shake your foundations. Hmm? Your crooked foundations that think you can't do this, you can't do the other. You know, here, people, man, I went to Peru. I, spy, I go to Peru for missions frequently. Man, you find women on motorbikes everywhere. You're like, eh, okay. Even pregnant ones. Yes. You know, today, today, today we have lazy women. No, I'm serious. The reason I say that eh, is when I was younger, I remember there was a woman, she used to stay about four houses down there. There was one relative who used to stay in, over in one of those houses there. I saw the woman pregnant. Then I saw her give birth. And two days later, she was in the garden digging. I can, I mean, those who, who've lived here on Lunguja with me for a very long time, they know what I'm talking about. I was like, eh? Onotazanya. No joking. I just won't mention the name, but I'm sure my mother already knows the story I'm talking about. Here. And by the way, she'd been working hard all the way till the day the labor pains came. She was not lying in the house. In fact, I'll tell you, most people, that's why these days they struggle with giving birth. As in, they struggle, their bodies are weak. The increase in all these Caesareans and what is, because first of all, people have been lying on bed rest for three months before they even get to delivery. The body is too weak to do what it needs to do. That doesn't mean that all Caesareans are like that, no. There's times when they're necessary, no. But I'm just pointing out that we've gotten... We've gotten weak. Young men eh, can be there. You can't even go and wash cars. In fact, you know, the thing that blows my mind is this. Young men live here and they go to America or to the UK. And there in you, the UK and America, they wash cars. They sweep streets. That's why they call it Cheyu. You are wondering where the term came from. They are sweeping streets. That's the jobs they are doing at night. In fact, you get there and you find someone in the UK and they have three jobs. In 24 hours. And they do this shift, the next shift, and the other shift. And they're doing six hours here, six hours here, six hours there. Eighteen hours of work. And then they sleep for six. When they're here, they despise all of that stuff. They can't even go around the neighborhood cutting grass. 
compre de este care bosata. <laughs> the other day I laughed. Pastor Alan called me and said, you won't believe what's happening in Runguja. I said, what's going on? He said, they were telling me how they are going to send for Julius, the technician, to come and change a fluorescent bulb at the house. I said, huh? How many young men do we have who live over there? They can't change a fluorescent tube. They want us to bring someone and pay him to change a fluorescent tube. And they want jobs. Shakara medo se He thinks and I'm in shock. My first walkman, I don't know, people don't even know what a walkman is. Hmm? But it used to be a portable cassette player. Not even a discman, a walkman. Eh? They were made by Sony. Hmm? Now, anyone who's ever owned headphones, you know one thing about earphones. The pins die. Yeah, after a short while, you now are twisting left, right, center, and whatever, and uh, sound is coming one side, not the other, then you twist, and then it comes this side, and not this side, you know? And you know what I did? I went to Chiembele, and I bought a soldering iron, and soldered, and cut the thing, and soldered it for myself, and my earphones were working. Here they fail, and people write to me in America to ship them earphones. Then they tell you, you know, the XLR cables have died. Could you bring some when you're coming back? I'm like, go to town and buy a soldering iron gun, put some heads on it. It's not rocket science. In fact, it's so easy. For us, we learned by trial and error. You'd open the thing and you start guessing on which point to put. You, you have YouTube. You find detailed step-by-step instructions on what to do. My friends in the U.S. service their own cars. Because he looks at the bill and he thinks I pay a hundred dollars for someone to change my oil. The guy just gets a, a basin, puts it under there. He goes to YouTube. It shows him you open here and, uh, you know, this is the nut. You open it. The oil flows out, out of the sump, put it back, bring your liters of oil, put in, open here, remove the air cleaner, do this. And they service their own cars. And then we wonder. The Bible says God will bless the work of your hands. Man, zero times infinity is zero. When there is no work for God to bless, there is nothing. And opportunity can't find you sitting there doing nothing. Rosite karibosai. No, I've been shocked sometimes. Even when you tell people, you know, um, you need to go back to school. Then you need to remind them every week to go and pick up the forms. As if you're the one going to school for them. Shocking. Or someone tells you, ha, musumba, yeah. Meanwhile, they've been praying and believing God for school fees. And God has spoken to you and told you to do it for them. Yeah? So you tell them, and everything. Then, you call two weeks later, wafunye form, ha, musumbanades in a transport. Walk! 
Walk. For us, we used to walk to attend a church service. You can't walk to get application papers for your own school. There is a problem. I remember walking from Kamocha to Miracle Center for a service. Holding a mat because there was dust in the church. So you used to come with your own mat and you put it there to sit, to sit on. Then you have service. Then afterwards you shake it out and roll it up and you walk back home with your mat. Hallelujah. Ruth is in the field. She is gleaning. She is hard at work. You can be sure that what took Boaz's attention is the report of the foreman. She has been hard at work, not taking a break, except to get a little drink here, a little bit in the shade and comes back. And in his mind, he immediately begins to think, this one is different. Because think about it, Boaz is a rich man. Yeah? So it can't be that he had by that point not yet found any beautiful girls to marry. But there was something he was looking for. And only when Ruth comes into his field, he notices and says, now that one has what I am looking for. Like, what? She's a foreigner. She has come into a field. It's full of men. First of all, notice how he later says, I have told the young men not to treat you roughly. Or harshly. So she came before she had his protection. But she took a step of boldness. Hallelujah. You, you're there telling all sorts of stories. Man, go and do something. Auntie, I tell you what you never said. Uh-huh. Trust him to protect you. And get doing Some of you need to take jobs as done, boys. Somewhere there while you're delivering is where you meet the person who will offer you the job you are looking for. Hallelujah. But you are there crying. My friend, go and do something. Hallelujah. And, and so Boaz, see how the favor now comes. After they give Boaz this, he comes to her and says, ah, just stay gleaning in this one here. Hallelujah. Amen. Stay gleaning in this one. Don't go, any, don't go to any other fields, just stay here. That's favor. But the favor found her because she had gone to the field. Amen. 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 Woo. Now, let me show you what happened. Then she fell on her face, bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me. All that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and that come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God, under whose wings thou art come to trust. He had heard of her reputation. Said, this one, stuck with her mother-in-law. 
came back with her, is looking after her, is doing everything necessary. And her reputation had gone around that there is this girl from Moab. She's a stranger. She has no blood relationship to Naomi. Even the husband she had married is already dead. So there's no connection anymore. She could go on and do her own thing. But she has remained faithful. Regardless. And her faithfulness, now people are speaking about it. Because the other problem we have is, even those who go out there to work, they are not faithful. I have friends who run businesses, and most of the time they tell you, I can't employ Barukori. And they are born again, full of the Holy Ghost. And the first thing they tell you, I can't employ Barukori. They are the worst workers. I know, one of my friends is probably listening. He, he, he knows, he, he's always saying this thing. He's always like, mm-mm. We had a very big argument about it sometime. We kept telling him, give them chances. The guy's like, you know how many chances I've given them? How can we have such a reputation? A reputation for absenteeism. A reputation, eh? For Entitlement, a sense of entitlement. We think we are owed something, even when we have done nothing to earn it. Sense of entitlement. That's why today we have a generation of people who think full-time ministry eh, is the ticket to not working. It's not that they are very passionate about God. They just think this is this is an this is a nice easy path. Why? Because they want some other people to go work and bring them money. My friend, Paul worked with his hands. He stopped working when he was in prison. And even then he then became a prolific writer. Wrote over three quarters of the New Testament. Hallelujah. But you see, there is another thing to keep in mind. Let's read verse 18. Put verse 18. Actually from verse 17. Hallelujah. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field. Let me actually, since you're having trouble with the NLT, let me read it here. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. So, because of favor, when you read the verse before that one, Boaz actually tells them, drop some things on purpose. says, drop some things on purpose so that she ends up getting more than usual but let me tell you if they tell someone to drop things on purpose but you're too lazy to pick them up 
your favor is there in the field. As you're working, God will cause some people to drop things on purpose so that you get more than you even expected. But if you were not there in the first place, you won't get anything. And if you quit at midday, because now the sun is hot, they will have dropped things on purpose and you won't get them. Your miracle is positioned out there. Hallelujah. So many times we mix up career and passion. We have things we are passionate about. Yeah? The problem is we mix up our passions and we don't understand that it is possible to have your fully professional career and also fully be in ministry. Yes. In fact, that's where God wants most of us. And I'll tell you, I was perfectly happy doing that until God told me now it's time. I'll tell you, I served and I worked full time. Maurasiketa. Abraham behind there works at one of the people who was my first employer. And he'll tell you, up to now the man still talks about me. Why? Because when I worked there, they knew problems were solved before they even knew the problem was there. I used to just produce reports about there was a problem and I fixed it. Hallelujah. In fact, I'll tell you something. Everywhere I've ever worked, they still talk about me up to now. I left a reputation there. They still talk about me. They were like, there was a guy here. Why? Because you must do everything. And here is the interesting thing. During those times, most of the time, I was doing crusades on the weekend. During the week, I used to do week seminars in the afternoon. I would go to all these little small churches in Kawempe and wherever, and you do evening sessions. I get off from work. Five, you get into a taxi. By then, we didn't have border borders. You get into a taxi, you run, and then you go there and preach in the evening and release power and miracles happen. Then tomorrow morning, you're back at work. There's nothing stopping me. But now you see, I need hours that I must spend in worship so that I can be in the right mood. My friend, sacrifice some sleep. Yes, sacrifice some sleep. And I also prayed. I never missed a single overnight in years. And you know what was interesting? At most of my jobs used to have me work on Saturday. And I would be in overnight from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. And then I would be at work. Most Saturday work you start at around 9. By, I would get home, take a shower, sleep for two hours, and then be at work. Work from 9 to 2 p.m. Then finally try to catch some sleep. In fact, most of the time it wasn't sleep. Because after 2 p.m. I would get back to church. Because I used to play keyboard. And I would have to now come for rehearsal. And play keyboard for the choirs. Then attend the Saturday evening service. Then go home and finally catch some sleep. And then be at church by 7 on Sunday morning. Because you have to play in the first service. And the next one there were four services. Then you look around. Musumba. My friend. 
as if it comes like that. <laughs> Just lay hands on me and I receive it. It doesn't come like that. You pursue it. You pursue it. And you know what? Not everything you try will work. That's all right as well. Because it's from the failures that you learn. That's if you're willing to also examine yourself and sit down and say, okay, this didn't work. Why didn't, why didn't it work? And then take the lessons learned and apply them. Sometimes all we do is keep repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's the definition of madness. Position yourself. Let's go to Second Samuel chapter 2. Verse 1 And it came to pass And it came to pass after this That David inquired of the Lord Saying Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah And the Lord said unto him Go up And David said Whither shall I go up And the Lord said And he said unto Hebron So David went up thither and his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Camelite. And his men that were with him did David bring up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying that the men of Jabesh Gilead were they that buried Saul. And David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh Gilead and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord that ye have shewed this kindness unto your Lord even unto Saul and have buried him. Hallelujah. I want you to notice something. Saul has died. David is well aware that God said to him that he will be king after Saul. Yeah? Now Saul is dead David has been hiding from Saul In Ziklag A Philistine city But now Saul is dead It is not God Who came to David To say now David Don't you see that the time is ripe It is strategic you need to move It is David who recognized That if Saul is dead I cannot become king in Ziklag So he's the one who goes to God and asks God, shall I move? The Lord says yes. Where? Hebron. If he hadn't strategically positioned himself in Hebron, he would remain in Ziklag. And by the way, let me tell you, out of sight, out of mind. Some people will only remember that you are available and need a job because they see you. It's when they come across and they're like, hey. There are people who you give your CV and they put it on their desk and forget it. It's true. Most people, that's what happens. And don't be there thinking, and you think, Lord, remind them, Lord, remind them, Lord, remind them. You, 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 yourself, pick up your phone and call them. Follow up. Follow up. However many times it takes, you follow up. If that was not working, you go and bench them at their office. Mwanti namaza yoru nakuru rambate yandabi. Kuma one encha. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I was sitting with my friend Matthew. You've had him preach here a number of times. Works with URA. And he was telling me his story, you know, how he met Pastor Robert Kayanj. And he says he went and sat eh, and spent the whole day and didn't get to see him and came back the next day, didn't get to see him. If you've ever tried to see him, those things are common, yeah? Then who came back the next day, the whole day, still didn't, I mean, he kept doing so. Until one day he runs into someone who's like, hey, you're here. Hey, aren't you so and so son? Hey, okay, come back tomorrow. By this point he's beginning to think I'll never get to see this guy. The next day he comes back again and this time they arrange for him to get and see him. What if he had quit? And he tells you that he can recognize everything that has happened to him becoming a commissioner now from that encounter. But man, he chased it. There was not this kind of thing where the man was on TV and says, I see someone, your name is Matthew. You know, some of us, that's what we are waiting for. Hmm? I see you, you are in a blue shirt. You are going to wait for a very long time. In fact, you are going to fall in the hands of unscrupulous prophets. They are, they are the ones who call you out and tell you your grandfather and your grandmother and you give them all your money. The ones who are genuine. You will look for them and when you meet them, they will actually be the ones to bless you. Because when he went to see the man, he didn't even have an offering. But after he prayed for him, he went and picked one of his most expensive pairs of shoes and gave them to him as a gift. Hallelujah. You must strategically position. We fail to understand that. You want a job in certain things, but you can't even position yourself there. Start doing some stuff. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was a sysadmin for a very big telecom. Then I was an assistant manager IT for another big telecom and all these things. But you know what? I started in IT support. And we faced some of the most irritating things. You're instructing someone. Uh-huh. Do this. Okay. Do this. Uh, then you tell them, press any key to continue. Then they keep quiet for 30 minutes. They're like, what's going on? They're like, where is the any key? The whole time they were looking at the keyboard, looking for a keyboard, any. And you have to remain polite and talk to them nicely and be extremely polite. Because they are the customer, they are king. Yes. Or someone calls you. You know, I have a friend, sometimes I help him out. And one time he asked me, can you, you know, help me out standing for me or something. Again, it was IT support staff, but he was like, help me out. And this guy called. Hmm? The moment I picked the phone, he started to shout. The guy shouted. You people, you are so terrible. Now I'm going to remove my company from you. I'm not even going to pay you this month. The guy shouted and shouted and, and ranted for one hour. I couldn't even get one word in. When he was done, I said, I'm sorry, sir, but let me see how I can help you. So he describes his problem. He hadn't pressed the power button. <laughs> and I still had to be very nice and polite. 
so this stuff you're coming but you see that job is difficult da muhindi amvuma buli runaku bwa kuvuma ne kibachi bwa kuvumye wabadde chi amatuga ayononese you you know who you are yeah how does someone's abuse of you change who you are does it change you he shouted at me aha uh-huh, then what <laughs> yeah he shouted at you so you mean you can't take a little shouting you can't be, you will not survive in marriage <laughs> yes <laughs> hey you won't survive but then you know we've become so thin skinned nambi pambi shaba karate sikae ampisa bubi then you you listen to the complaints akuisa bubi like babies babies Whoever to the, do you know what the bible says who teaches my fingers to what to war do you know what it means to war you think war is simple you think battle is simple no man battle is not simple when you read of these battles these guys would be in you think they didn't stress their bodies it was dangerous it is hard work you're swinging a sword and using a shield and the other guy is not idle waiting for you to cut him He's also swinging back. And and the reason you're wearing armor is some of his blows are hitting, but somehow they hit the armor and you're protected. It is hard stuff. So when you read David and you read favor, don't be thinking that he just sailed smoothly through. There was battles, there were tough battles. But he got tough too. So God's not telling us that he's suddenly going to make everything so smooth and so simple. We we'll just flow through it. No, you get a job and you will have a boss who is a jerk. Yes. And you do what? Who teaches you to war? That's when we will know whether you truly have the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. How will we know you have patience until you've been put in a situation where you need to be patient? How will we know that you have the fruit of the spirit for long suffering until you are in a place where you need to suffer for long? Hallelujah. How will we know that you have the fruit that is joy until you are in a place where you should not be joyous but you are still joyous? That's how you bear the fruit of the spirit they see it. The guy abuses you and you still smile and you still polite. And even him is perturbed, he can't believe it because he's used to people changing their faces and storming out and you you're still polite. You say like, "Okay, um, I'm sorry that happened, sir, but how can I be of help to you?" That's why the Bible tells us, "I die daily." I die daily. Man, you die to your ego. You die to your feelings. You die to your sense of self, huh? Of feeling like I am so big. You die. If you don't learn to die now, you will not survive marriage. Man, 
You need to die every day in marriage. <laughs> if you go in there and you need to assert your rights every day, you're in trouble. Huh? And let me tell you, no one knows how to provoke you like the one you, uh, the one who loves you. They know you very well. They know exactly where it hurts the most. They know which kind of thing. If I just poke right there, so when they are annoyed, they know exactly where to poke it to get a response from you. You might be able to ignore it at work. Ah, this one knows exactly where to turn it properly. Hey. You know, when we were kids, a guy could come up to you and then he grabs the chigwe and twists like the kanyonyi dance. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Just know, right there. Then we will see, do you have the fruit of the spirit? Some of you, that's how you lose clients. And then you come, you're like, in the sichitegera, gundi andoga. Teria kuroga. Nobody. It is you who takes offense too easily. You don't know how to keep the client as king and treat them like they're the king of the world, even when they're just exceedingly stupid. And you've still got to treat them like they're up here. Why? You need them as a client. This stuff of feeling. You wait. You will wait for them. You won't get them. Hallelujah. You know, for all this anointing we have, eh? you go places and God does amazing miracles. Hmm? And then, People treat you in strange ways. And you've still got to extend grace regardless. People act so entitled. And you know what? You still humble yourself. You may get the occasional Roman centurion who says, ah, you don't have to come to my house, speak from here. That one eh, was one out of very many thousands of others who kept telling Jesus to go to their house. Jairus certainly didn't tell him you don't need to come to my house. He took him all the way to his house. The majority of people you minister to are Jairus, not the Roman centurion. And let me tell you, the majority of people you, you will meet are going to be like the nine lepers. They didn't even come back to say thank you. Only one came back. The nine, they got their thing and moved on. In how many years of ministry, I can tell you that's the norm. There are very few people who have come back to say thank you. The majority of people, in fact, when they get their miracle, they talk about all the prayer circles that were praying for them, despite the fact that for months, those prayer circles were evading nothing until they came to you. But you know what? When they send you the testimony, eh, Banange, we thank God for all. God answered the prayers of all the people who are praying. You're like, thank you, Lord, you are good. Say nothing. Why? Man, we've come, you must come to a place of completeness in God. Your joy, your completeness, your everything is in Him. 
And even then, I have been to places and the, ch- the pastor offended me and I'll still go back. Hallelujah. You've got to position yourself. David goes to Hebron. Because it's when he's in Hebron that people remember him. Then they come and they make him king. They were not going to come to Ziklag to make him king over Hebron. You've got to position yourself where you can be met by that miracle of yours. It's not going to come looking for you in this other city where you've been hiding. Hallelujah. But David had to perceive the time. He perceived Saul is dead. There's no one over Israel right now. I need to go and position myself now. When you miss the timing, you'll be in trouble. Because if it took so long, Ishbosheth, whatever they pronounce the name, would have become king over the whole of Israel. But, because he positioned himself, Judah says, ah, for us we are with David. The rest of Israel is with Ishbosheth. Man, these things. Divine positioning. Hallelujah. This is why we've been talking about this. Because so many of us, our understanding of grace is skewed. We know, yes, grace is God acting alone. But man, grace never acts alone. It acts with faith. And faith is our response. Faith is the action we take on our part to position ourselves to receive what God has released by grace. God has had already released a grace for Ruth where Boaz was concerned. She had to position herself. That was faith positioning herself where Boaz will find her and recognize her. Hallelujah. Where are you positioning yourself, child of God? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And you see, we've got to see something here that's, um, that's very interesting about this whole situation with David. When he made his move, he went in full. There's all of him and all of his men and all of their possessions. You see, he had to come and show these guys I'm here to stay. He didn't come halfway. He was not half committed. It was a full commitment. Because you see, when you pack up everything and all your guys and their families and everything, you've left no way back. So they see your commitment. They can see that you are fully committed. Hallelujah. So I want to challenge us today. Because for many of us, we are missing that critical balance that that is the recipe for success. We have prayed. We have fasted. But we are missing on the action front. God has spoken to us. He says he's bringing what? A bountiful harvest. Hallelujah. But I want to see, uh uh-huh. What are you doing to bring the harvest in? 
Okay, maybe you sow the seed, you got an instruction and you sow the seed. Do you know of any farmer who simply puts seed in the ground and goes away and comes back at harvest time? Seeds are watered. Weeds are removed. Pruning is done. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. These things that happen in addition. It's a process. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, this kind of someone's the men's are usually very soft. Now, of course, if I had come and I was saying, Ha, that saith the Lord. I see your Mercedes Benz, you'd hear the amens. Hmm? But you know, this is what brings fruit that remains. Amen. 